0: Welcome to Aston Means Business, a podcast from Aston Business School. My name's Steve Dyson, and I'm a journalist who's interviewing some of the UK's top business academics here at Aston. This podcast has been going since October 2019, and there are now more than 35 previous episodes that you can find and listen to by simply googling Aston Means Business. Today's episode is entitled Dealing with Rejection, And we're going to explore how to deal with this issue in the business and jobs world with Dr. Roshana Huseyanova, a lecturer in marketing here at Aston Business School and a professional business coach. Hello to you, Roshana.
1: Hello, Steve, and thank you for having me.
0: No problems. Let's start, Roshana, by finding out a little bit more about who you are, your academic background, what brought you to Aston, what you teach and research here, and also tell us a bit about your coaching business.
1: Yes, with pleasure. So I'm a lecturer in marketing and sales, and I teach marketing and sales-related modules on, um, for our undergraduate students, postgraduates, MBAs, and on the government-funded help to grow program to businesses. So my PhD and my research interests lie around salesperson motivation and uh, sales uh, qualities and success factors. And my PhD was on actually how we can combine intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. And uh, two years ago, I did a coaching qualification at Aston as well. And I was just fascinated by uh, the research behind coaching and the how incorporating coaching can actually make such a big difference in the tone of conversations, the quality of conversations, and how you can get a lot um, from just coaching individuals, students, colleagues, um, even family members. So that really inspired me to go um, into coaching in a lot more detail. And uh, I started my coaching business. Now, starting a coaching business uh, as an academic has obviously some I mean there are, there are some difficulties and there's some uh, pluses too, so uh, it made me I think it made me a better uh, lecturer, better better teacher, because being on the other side on the, uh, the business side helped me to bring some of these concepts a bit more to life. In my coaching business, I help business leaders um, with their mindset and business related um, mindset issues. And it's interesting, I started noticing how there is a massive overlap between what uh, a lot of students are going through, um, developing, trying to develop their soft skills, and what uh, my coaching clients are going through, um, dealing with, you know, developing mindset, um, working on soft skills as well, and dealing with a lot of feeling of fear of rejection. And I thought that theme of rejection is, is really interesting.
0: Before we look at how you suggest people should deal with rejection, Rishana, let's just consider that feeling itself. Why is rejection so hurtful to us?
1: Well, this is really interesting. And there's um, uh, a lot of research around this. If you look at our evolutionary brain, so in the far distant past, our ancestors... Uh, so cavemen, so to speak, they obviously lived in tribes, and being part of the tribe was important for just basic survival. So if you're rejected from the tribe, that means you're sent away from that safety of being around your people, and it's almost, you know, being sentenced to death. And even since that time, our brain kind of was in a way trained to associate those rejections uh, with being sent away and you know sentenced to death almost. And in terms of research, so researchers looked at um, MRI scans of our brain activities. And uh, so they actually uh, asked participants to recall episodes when they were being rejected. And the fascinating fact is that MRI scans showed that the same area of brain gets activated that deals with actual physical pain so for our brains actually experiencing rejection is pretty much the same as experiencing physical suffering physical pain so it's uh yeah it's not surprising then that uh, uh feeling experiencing and going through a rejection is just really unpleasant and almost painful
0: yeah i know what you mean and i certainly recognize that we all seem to hate the idea and reality of that rejection moment. And for businesses and in the workplace, of course, that can have a direct financial impact as well. Tell us more about your approach to dealing with rejection.
1: Well, I think in today's world, with, uh, you know, a lot of social media being part of um, our day-to-day life, really, We just have so many more opportunities to be rejected. And there are, of course, different kinds of rejections. It could be romantic rejection or, you know, a job application rejection and things like this. But these could be just tiny things. So, for example, Steve, you upload a photo of your beloved dog on Facebook, say, or Instagram, right? Uh, um, And uh, then you check back in in a couple of hours and no one liked or commented on, on the photo that was meaningful to you, right? And you may take this as a as those you know micro rejection, which is obviously unpleasant. And um, it's it's really interesting how a lot of business leaders and entrepreneurs and and just people in industry, those with careers, they will talk about their successes. Um, they will talk about how they achieved these accreditations, how they found these investors, how they got these amazing jobs and promotions. And this is all fantastic, right? But what happens is that becomes an imbalance. So we see, especially again in the era of social media, a lot of the successes that, you know, people think, oh yeah, they're so lucky, things just happen to them. And we don't see a lot of the rejections that they have come through it's like i'm really into ballet for example and uh, i observe in social media a lot of people would comment on a photo of beautiful prima ballerina a principal dancer of a, a, you know a ballet company saying yeah of course it's easy for her to say do this and do that with her amazing luck and her fantastic feet ballerina feet and her you know strength or whatever but no one says oh i'm so envious of all this amazing, crazy hours of training that went into this, you know, ballerina feats or fantastic achievements. And uh, it's it becomes a problem then, right? So we see only one side of the picture. And that's the reason why I'm really passionate about normalizing, talking about rejections. I get rejected every day. My kids would say no to me if, uh, you know, ask them to um, get ready to go to school maybe I smile at a stranger just as a you know a nice gesture um, on the subway and they don't smile back they just turn away uh, no one likes uh, maybe a photograph that I published on, on social media then well as academic you apply you you know you work on research you try to publish papers and oh my goodness they get rejected and rejected and rejected and um, yeah, it's just the normal part of our life. And if anything, it's not a sign of failure. It's opposite. It's a sign of progress, that you're actually doing something. You're putting yourself out there. And um, and it's fantastic. It's a stepping stone to success, not the opposite of success.
0: Perhaps you can tell us um, a particular instance um, where you have felt rejected professionally And tell us how you've dealt with that personally.
1: Yes, that's a a good question. And uh, you you can see me smiling right now. Um, Okay, so one of the most recent examples uh, is coming from my coaching business. Uh, As part of the business, I run regular workshops. And one of the most recent ones was on goal setting. So I must say, I didn't put a lot of marketing effort into this. I wanted this to be... Uh, what they call boutique style, right? So um, small and personal. And I had 20 people registered for the workshop, which is a good number uh, for this kind of workshop. And what happened is on the day, only two people turned up. Oh, no. Yes. And uh, I, I ran the workshop and I think it went well. Uh, the participants said they liked it and they took a lot from it. But then after it was finished, it was evening, I was. Uh, I was really, I I didn't know how to, what to feel really. I was a bit lost. So I thought, okay, I can take it two ways. I was rejected by all those 18 people, right? Who said they will come, but decided not to, not to attend. They rejected me. They rejected the workshop and it's a failure, right? Uh, Or I can look at it and think, wow, it was such a fantastic experience. I organized the workshop. There are two people who came and I helped them with their goal setting. Uh, the recording is going to be there. And all these other 18 people who said they will come, they um, now know that I run regular workshops. So next time I organize something, they will probably say, oh, yes, I remember she she's doing regular workshops. And it's also, um, a sign of I am actually putting myself out there, and I've decided to to really support myself, and I've used uh, a positive self talk. Um, there is actually a lot of research to say that it's uh, it's um, really powerful and very helpful. So I said to myself, Roshana, you're you're doing so well. You're so brave. Really well done for organizing and running workshop. You've grown as a result of this and then i just found myself you know my how my spirits have lifted and um yeah it didn't feel so you know person like a personal rejection anymore so that reframing and working on the mindset um is is really really helpful so steve uh how about you when was uh you know when were you rejected uh, oh my originally? gosh
0: <laughs> that's a big question isn't it well, um, I guess there's one instance recently when um, in the last nine years I've been um, a board member for a housing association. There's a governance issue where when you've been reelected a certain number of times, nine years is the limit and you have to step down, which is fine. Mm. And that happened um, earlier this year. And I was thinking, oh, I'll apply for one or two other board, board positions so that I can replace that. Um, and I did. Um, I didn't have that much time, didn't put that much into it, but I just thought having nine years' experience, Mm. I should get one quite easily. So I applied for one or two and got nowhere. (laughs) So uh, I guess that was a feeling of rejection. I mean, I I kind of moved on pretty quickly because I'm busy elsewhere, but at the time Mm. I did think, oh, so no one wants me anymore. Nine years ago, I became a board member when I left my full-time job, which was at that stage as an editor of a newspaper, Mm. and I seemed to be wanted. Nine years later, after nine years of running my own business, No one wants me to be a board member. So I I guess that's an example of rejection for you.
1: And we we take it personally, don't we?
0: Yeah, yeah. Even though it was perhaps momentarily, yeah. Mm. And I don't Mm. think I've really dealt with that yet.
1: Oh, that's very interesting.
0: Okay, so you've helped me to understand that concept of rejection and to realise that we need to stop thinking that we've failed. I like the idea of self-talking to yourself. Tell us more about how we can plan to do that. I understand you have a three-step approach. Is that right?
1: Well, it is, yes. And it's just something I, uh, I came up with um, uh, as a result of you know, working with coaching clients and looking at some research and uh, self-reflection really as well. So first and foremost um, is what we actually touched upon, not to take it personally. And I know it's easier said, said than done but to the first step is to make that mental effort to separate. This is not rejection of you as a person, as a professional, um, as a parent. The list goes on, right? This is rejection, especially in the professional realm of a particular effort that you, um, you were able to produce in the moment in time and how that outcome of that effort did or did not tick specific boxes for that job, for those investors, uh, for the coursework, perhaps, if you're still studying. And so just taking a moment and really taking that pause and telling yourself, well, this is me and this is rejection of the effort that I was able to put up. In that given moment in time, and how that fitted or did not fit uh, the criteria. So that's really important to actually separate this and not to not to just um, quickly go through this, but to, to really pause and tell yourself, okay, I'm, I'm just going to separate these two things now. They are separate.
0: That makes perfect sense. What, what's the next step?
1: Okay, so the next step is let it's it's to really look at. Uh, the learning. Um, so what's, what's the learning from this? Can you actually make use of that learning? So for example, if it was uh, you know, um, a sales pitch, can you ask for some feedback and learn from what you can actually really improve uh, on, um, um, on a really logical level? Right? So once once that's out of the way, you can actually make, ma- write it down to, uh, to make it helpful. The next step is really supporting yourself. And it's what we talked about is really using the power of positive self-talk. And I think there's a cultural element to this. Uh, when I first tried it myself, I, you know, I wasn't looking at the mirror, uh, but I just talked to myself, um, and I've read somewhere that It's uh, even more powerful if you use your name. So you say, Roshana, you did so well, as opposed to, oh, I did so well. So I use my name to use your name and to support yourself. You know, look at all the positive things around the effort that you were able to put into that um, project or that endeavor. And uh, so the cultural element is that in some cultures we are okay to some people are okay to uh, praise themselves and uh, to support themselves and talk to themselves in a positive way. And in other cultures, it's considered as, you know, too self-centered or even egocentric, right? And uh, I once worked with uh, a a coaching client and she was, uh, she is from Christian background. So she was brought up um, in a Christian tradition. And she said, one of the things that she realized um, as we're talking about some mindset challenges was that um she was brought up you know being told, "Love your neighbor as you love yourself," and that love yourself part she said was kind of really almost neglected, and we do tend to talk to ourselves in in a way that we would never talk to our neighbor or uh you know someone someone we like or someone we love. Um, so, and it, it made her realize, it made me realize as well that that idea of self love, self, um, support, supporting yourself and using that positive self talk. It can be really novel for some people. And uh, as I said, when I first tried it, I felt like in one of those American movies when they show, uh, you know, a character rehearsing their speech, talking to themselves, looking at the mirror. And I used to always laugh at them thinking, oh, that's just, you know, some American. But there's definitely something to it. That's definitely, you know, can work.
0: Yeah, I remember how I kind of dealt with rejection from an earlier age now, just thinking it through. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in my early teens, I was desperate to be a writer. And at the age of 14, 15, I was writing multiple articles on on, on quite complicated projects and sending them to publications where I really wanted to be published. The New Statesman, The Listener at the time was another journal. And of course, I never had a chance. I was far too inexperienced at 14, 15 to write for those titles. But I did remain positive And I didn't exactly talk to myself, but I posted the constant rejection slips on my wall, oh. so that they almost encouraged me in terms of the colours of them, the different notes that different people had written dozens of them. And eventually, one of the regular editorial assistants who was sending me these notes started to kindly suggest in handwriting. So it wasn't just a a printed slip, but a little handwritten notes, just kindly suggesting one different direction or another. And at one stage, she said, why don't you try writing out your opinions, which are worthy? Why don't you try writing them out in opinion letters and sending them to local newspapers? And so I did. And before long, I was getting regular spots in local newspapers. And then I started to write to those national magazines and started to get published. My letters started to get published there. So it was the very beginning of what became a career in journalism by almost through posting them on the wall and engaging in a conversation with these rejection slips, almost gave myself some confidence. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, yes. That's a fantastic example, I think. Um, and I, I I truly think that uh, we all can learn something from those um, more um, artistic professions. Would you consider journalism as a more artistic profession?
0: Oh, I'm not sure about that. Not as artistic <laughs> as, as real writers, uh, but, 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 yeah, I suppose it's creativity, isn't it?
1: Creative, yes, exactly, creativity. And uh, it reminds me of um, something I've read in a book uh, called um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, um, and in there, before she was a published author and before the crazy success of her book Eat, Pray, Love, uh, she was unpublished author and she was working hard on trying to exactly what you said, trying to send while well, sending her manuscripts to various different outlets and collecting those rejection letters. And something that stood out um, for me was she said, "Well, look, you know what." women in my family live a very long time so i st- i have i have all these years to to still you know continue working writing and sending my work to you there may be someone out there who isn't even born yet who will reject me one day sure. so you can so you can reject me all you want i'm not going anywhere and then i thought this is fantastic so without instead of looking at rejection as that's it I'm re- you know I'm rejected. my my effort is rejected um, instead of looking at it that way, um, we can look at it as well that's one rejection down it's um numbers game isn't it? and I'm now one rejection closer to my end goal.
0: Yeah not a bad way of looking at it at all. Now it, you mentioned in your three steps you mentioned in passing the learning stage. let's get into that into a little bit more detail what what do you mean by taking a learning from your rejections?
1: Yes, absolutely. So, um, it's, uh, it's analyzing, looking at, uh, what went well, uh, just with just very logical, rational hat on it. Um, what didn't go so well. And the way to look at it is always what you can improve not to look at, Oh, that went horribly wrong, but what can I do to make next time the same thing work out better for me? um, and then recording it, that always helps. So lessons learned isn't just a tick box exercise, because when we write things, our brain structures information more efficiently in a different way. That's why writing things down is, is very valuable, really. Um, and then if possible, if you're confident enough, uh, sharing that with, with the world so that one day when you succeed, there will be a balanced picture, uh, maybe on LinkedIn or on other platforms.
0: That's a great approach that you've explained, Roshana. And we do sometimes, though, don't we, need to know when to stop. I mean, if there's a particular job or a particular sale or a particular opportunity we're after and we get rejection after rejection after rejection, surely at some point we need to say, I'm not getting that one. Let's move on. Is that right?
1: Well, that's um, that's a really good question, Steve. And The the truth is, I don't know whether there is, you know, whether there is one correct answer to this. So if we look at history, or not just history, uh, just business world around us, there are so many examples of people being rejected numerous times. So let's look at um, uh, Harry Potter. That manuscript was rejected 12 times by 12 different publishing houses. And now it's one of the most... Uh, popular books and uh, movies of all times, right? Uh, or the founder of uh, KFC? His fried chicken recipe was rejected many times. Well, the legend says it was rejected over a thousand times. Wow. Uh, I'm not sure whether that's uh, yeah, whether that's true or not. And I guess it's um, it can be context specific. If this is something that you absolutely want to to do, if this uh, career this is a career path you absolutely want to pursue, then you know just keep going. And if at some point you realize that you are happier actually not doing it, not um, trying to um, to be to to achieve that goal, maybe it's time to reflect and um, come up with alternative, more creative strategies, perhaps. Um, it's like with job applications. So, uh, a lot of people might be applying for jobs, right? And, uh, with job application, if you get to the interview stage and, um, you know, the, the, the actual application is rejected after all, there's so many, there's so much that you can learn from that. And there's so much that you can take away from that. Um, if it's your dream job, then would you say, uh, oh, no, I'm not, uh, it's not meant to be. It's like with a child who is learning how to walk after they fall down a few times. Um, it's unlikely they would say, oh, it's not for me, you know, I'll just keep, uh, keep on crawling <laughs> or, you know, sitting down.
0: Yeah, I, I like that last answer about a toddler. Um, we've got a, a new grandson who was in China at the moment, so we don't see him, haven't seen him at all because of lockdown, but we watch almost daily videos of him trying to turn over. And he's five months old now and he's nearly there. But he must have tried, I don't know, 60, 70, 80 times to turn over. And he gets frustrated in his face because he can't quite turn over. But (laughs) the other day, he made it. And suddenly he was there. So after 60 or 70 attempts, he turned over. Now, I know it's not exactly comparable to applying for a job or to um, applying for or marketing a sale in a business. But it has some kind of connection, doesn't it? If you carry on trying, you do get there in the end. Look, one final mm-hmm. question to you, Roshana. This is a huge mm-hmm. subject, this dealing with rejection. So if there's just one thing that you want listeners to take away with them, what would it be?
1: Um, one thing. Well, can I say two things, actually, Steve?
0: Of course, of course. Yes. I'll let you.
1: <laughs> Thank you. So one thing is um, rejections and talking about rejections. Well, rejection is absolutely a normal part of life. Um, There's nothing shameful about it. And it's, if anything, it's a stepping stone to success. It's not the opposite of success. It's um, just one rejection out of the way, on my way to achieving my goal. Uh, Talking about rejection is, about rejections is really important because it normalizes it for everyone else in this culture where, you know, we'd like to mainly talk about our successes and how amazing things are in our lives, then uh, it just brings it that that, that balance. And the second thing is, I think also another balance is in talking about both rejections and failures and successes. Because what I observe now sometimes that um, some people would choose to concentrate only on the things that didn't work out. And there's some comfort in that, I guess. Um, but also talking about successes and things that went well is almost, um, almost as important. So having that balanced approach. And I think that actually brings me to the idea of being authentic self. So not sugarcoating things, not hiding some of the imperfections, but just being authentic and and true to yourself, and normalizing, having that balance in life. I think that's really important and something I'm really passionate about.
0: Dr. Rashana Huseyanova, a lecturer in marketing here at Aston Business School. Many thanks for joining Aston Means Business today.
1: Thank you very much. It was my pleasure.
0: And thanks out there to our listeners um, who've joined us on Aston Means Business, an original podcast for Aston University. Remember... If you've enjoyed today's episode, you can find earlier episodes by simply googling Aston means business. And if you're interested in studying anything to do with business finance and economics, why not check out what Aston University has to offer at aston.ac.uk forward slash courses. We've also got a podcast series called Society Matters, which interviews top academics at Aston's School of Social Sciences and Humanities about current issues and concepts which shape our world and the way that people live. You can find those episodes simply by googling Society Matters Aston. Meanwhile, we'll be back soon with more interviews with some of the UK's top business academics here at Aston. Aston means business.